here we are now with another episode of the Andrew Lake Podcast. My name is Dosta. Pleased to be with you again. Pleased to be speaking again. I am smiling. For a moment there I thought I might giggle, but as it turns out, we have to settle for just a smile in this present moment. Today I'd like to talk about the spiritual quest, the spiritual journey. And a nice title for this conversation, or a nice way of framing the spiritual quest, in my mind, is this how-to sort of phrase. How to quit everything. Have you reached that point yet? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever had the urge to just quit everything? If you're on the path of discovering life or awakening or whatever you want to call it, whatever phrase you like to use, self-actualization, self-transcendence, self-discovery, there's lots of phrases for the same thing. But if you're on that path, there's going to come a point where you will have to go on a spiritual journey. And this is becoming more and more common in the people in my life, the people I've heard about. Maybe you've already heard about someone who's done this. But if you're on the path and you're early into it, you'll be hearing these things learning these things, discovering these things, and you'll be changing your life. You'll be wanting to add a new habit. You'll be having new interests and you'll say, hey, there's local yoga. I should really start going to that. I really should do more yoga. I know yoga is good for me. I'd love to get involved in the yoga community. Or I'd really like to read more books. I'd really like to meditate more. I should dedicate more time to my meditation practice. And these are the little things that you start tweaking. You start twitching and playing around with and doing the best you can to change in your life. To get onto this new direction. To follow the path. But then you have big, bigger things which are more difficult to change, like your job, your career, your relationship, your place where you live, the city that you live in. Now these might take a little bit more time to fix up and adjust to your newly emerging higher values. Usually when we change one of these big things, we say, well, that's a life shift. 
it was the end of a chapter for me. That was a big change in my life. But if you're on the path and it's starting to accelerate and you're really going to get more and more of a clear picture of what is going on and what is coming, you'll feel something looming. You'll feel this deeper desire, this pull, and it will be coming deeper and deeper and bigger and bigger, and you'll feel more and more out of place with the life that you've got. And it will reach a point where you'll think and feel like quitting everything. I don't need a new job. I don't need a new career. I don't need a new relationship. I don't need a new city to live in. None of that's going to work. And the spiritual quest is where you pay respect to that urge. You pay respect to that moment. Now, for some people, these are moments in life which actually sneak up on them and they're not aware of it vis-a-vis the midlife crisis. When the man has a successful job, a business, a house, the hobbies that he wants, and the whole thing he becomes fed up with and he realizes that he's not getting any younger, that's when the midlife crisis breaks. And really the depth and the drama and the the conviction or how dramatic a man's midlife crisis is, it's directly proportion. It's in direct proportion to his spiritual and existential intelligence. Or also how much of a difference there is between his existential intelligence and how he's lived up to it. Now, if you have existential urges, you have, as we could say, in a manner of speaking, God knocking on your door. God comes to visit and you just ignore him. And if you don't like the word God, you can simply say existence or profundity or the meaningful. These things want to come out. These things want to flower. And the spiritual quest is where you take the time to honor what wants to come through. And the way you really honor it is you quit everything. I mean everything. And you quit it in such a way as that you tell yourself, I am not coming back. I am never doing this again. And I'm not going to replace it with anything. There's no replacement for what I'm quitting. 
I don't quit one job and then start another. I don't end this relationship and start another. I don't move from this city into another. I don't quit this hobby and start another. All these things you simply quit and you're finished with them. That means no more of this creative project. No more ambition. No more ideas. No more pursuing your desires. No more trying to set up your life so that it's comfortable for you. No more making money. Now, money is a, is a funny one because in order to do this, you have to have a financial situation. Now, in my case, I was very lucky. I found myself able to go on the spiritual quest. And in some regards, I wasn't as calculated as it, as calculated as I'm talking about it here, because I didn't quit my job. I was actually fired from my job. A spiritual quest came up in me, and it was forced upon me. Now, many other things in my life, I did quit cons- consciously. I ended them consciously. And I ended them all at once. This is the spiritual quest. Everything in your life, the whole lot of it, you go all the way back to zero. You go back to nothing. You tell yourself, what is life if I have nothing? And you don't try and fill it so quickly. You leave space for something to come. You leave space for something which you don't know what it is. You step into the unknown and you allow the unknown to step into you in a manner of speaking. Now, the other part of a spiritual quest is not only quitting everything and ending the old you. It's also the journey. It's the quest. It's the travel. Now, there is a difference between travel and the spiritual quest. People mistake this. And, well, we can differentiate this with the inner journey as well. So a spiritual quest is... I'm going to keep... Searching, I'm going to become a seeker, as the term is called. A seeker is a someone who's on the path and they are searching non-stop. And they don't search non-stop until they find something. They're simply taking the attitude of searching. And it's not like they say, I have this idea of what I want to find. I want to find an enlightened master. I want to find this skill or I want to have this experience and I'm going to keep going until I find those things. No, it's not like that. A seeker is someone who seeks full stop and they seek and they seek more and more and they find and they find more and more and they don't stop and they're saying that for this period in time, 
I'm going to keep seeking constantly. And it doesn't matter what I find. I keep going. So travel, travel is different in that it opens you up. It does bring you new experiences. There's always something to be gained from traveling and experiencing different cultures and meeting different people. That's always going to be a powerful thing for opening up your perspective. And really, travel can lead to all sorts of things. You never know where the road might take you. Oh, the places you'll go, as Dr. Zeus says. But just traveling like, oh, I want to go to another country and see what's happening. That's different to an active seeking. And just traveling with your life still intact, traveling on a holiday and saying, well, I'm going to go back to my old life. That's different as well. In the spiritual quest, you leave it open that there will be things that you find on this quest which will change you completely. They will make it impossible for you to go back to your old life. And in fact, a real spiritual quest, if it really happens out, as the spiritual, the spiritual quest does, then there, there will be no way you can go back to your old life. And you see that beforehand. That's why you quit everything. That's why you have to stop all these things. Now, I understand that everyone's at different points in their life. Everyone has different things going on. Now, if you have a family, it makes you difficult. It makes it difficult for you to have a spiritual quest, to de- dedicate time to the inner explorations and the existential inquiries. So the family structure is quite restricting and it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do that maybe you do it when you're older but really if you are hearing this and you don't have a family yet then you're you're lucky you've you've you haven't missed the boat <laughs> so to speak have you <laughs> have you missed the boat is that phrase that they use for women that's a phrase I've heard commonly in relation to women who are too old to have a baby and they didn't find someone to have a baby with because there's a certain, the baby clock. So, <laughs> so here we're reinventing missing the boat, which is if you, if you do have a baby, if you do have kids, then you've missed the boat. You've missed your chance to go on the spiritual quest. So... <laughs> that's that's my funny reversal. Let me be that that one who reverses the meaning of something with the phrase missed the boat. So the other thing is if you have big successful projects, say you have this big business or something or basically business or entrepreneur or venture, whatever it is, the more successful that is, the harder it is going to be for you to step away. 
Now, I don't mean throw all your money down the drain. If you have passive investments, you want to hold on to those, of course. But these active things, these things which are always needing your attention, these businesses which the success of rests on your ability to be involved in them, that's what you're going to need to quit. And when you are successful and you have a very high a very lucrative business, then it's hard to step away. But there is a certain point where you have the right to. And it might seem like that that's really far off to be like the top, say you're the founder of some massive company and you're right at the top. Then there's a certain point in success where people will say, well, he can do whatever he wants because he's boss. And most of us are not in that position. Most of us are further down the food chain. But this, that difference, that's, a, that's an illusion because what does it matter what anyone will say? What does it matter what they will think? And really, what does it matter if the business doesn't survive? What happens if the whole thing collapses? And you have every right to walk away. You have as much right as anyone. In fact, it's, it is your right. It is the very thing. That is the very reason that you walk away. It's because you have a right to know what you are. You have a right to go on the spiritual quest and spend the time to realize yourself existentially. And even if you look at a lot of these big, famous, or really successful entrepreneurs, and I've heard a lot about these sorts of people and met some of these people, the thing they spend their money on, there's a point in their career where they, they no longer focus on the business. And the thing they turn their attention to is personal development. It's their personal well-being. And that's the thing they talk about. That's the thing that really gets them going. And it's, imagine, well, for example, like think of this man who he has his own personal trainer and he's world-class personal trainer. He has his own yoga instructor, world-class yoga instructor. He's got his own nutritionalist and the nutritionalist works with his own personal chef so his diet is working to an absolute T. And then he's got some, some also things with his sleep. He's also got a personal assistant. And the personal assistant does all sorts of things, including his schedule and those sorts of things. His booking for his traveling. Personal assistant is taking care of all the admin stuff. So all these people are working so that this person can have a good quality of life. And a lot of these big, famous, rich people, they sort of miss they sort of miss it. They don't quite get well, it's hard to speculate on someone's interior world, but it's possible to have all those people working for you and for you not to find the deepest depths of human experience. It's possible to have all that support and to miss the point of life. 
Now, that's not to say these people don't have colourful lives. There's so much that an abundance of money can bring you. There's so much that you can find. But that without your own your own conviction and your own personal urge and the, the thrust to seek, then all the money in the world won't save you. And one way to judge this, how sincere you are, is your ability to quit everything. It's your ability to say, no, I'm not going to do all this and never again. Now, how you explain this to the people in your life is also another thing. You don't really need to say, I'm never coming back again. Depending who it is that you're talking to. It's only in you that you need to have that intention. How you explain it to others, it's probably best that you just you, you brush it off and don't make a drama out of it. To say I'm never coming back again, that's well, usually that's in circumstances that are quite dire. To tell someone you're never coming back again, I'm leaving and never coming back again, well, that's you reserve that for certain things in life. Really, you should say, I'm going away until I find the answer. I'm going away to be alone. I'm going away and I'm not coming back until I've found what I've searched for. And that's an important, that's an important conviction to have. During my travels, I met a businessman or an investor and his story was that he'd made $10 million out of cryptocurrency. He turned $8,000 into $10 million in the space of six months. And he was a real-life walking, talking story of the cryptocurrency boom. Now, you've heard these stories. These sorts of stories are all over the internet. This sort of story, there's, there's so many of them, and it's really what drove the, the bull market, the excitement of the initial excitement of the cryptocurrency rush. But this man I actually got to meet and I talked with, and I met him at a meditation resort. I met him at the exact place I met him at the exact place where you would think, well, it, well, it is. It's the exact place where the deepest realizations of existential truth are possible. It's the exact place someone goes when they're fed up with life and they want to find the rock bottom truth. And yet this man was overweight. He had a smoking addiction. You could see it was my sensitivity of what his interior world was like, of what his emotional profile was like, and I could see that he didn't get it. He didn't see what was happening. He didn't have the thirst. For him, the meditation resort was a place to relax, to be on holidays. And maybe I got it wrong. I mean, he did do the meditations. 
It's for me not to be so quick to judge someone's interior world. And all I would say is, would I change positions with that man? No, I wouldn't. He's got big money. He's got so much opportunity. But he hasn't got the interior wealth. And this this picture, this contrast, really gets at the difference between an exterior wealth and an interior wealth. Interior wealth is how you feel. It's the richness of your perceptions of reality. It's the clarity of your mind. It's how often you feel at peace. How often you feel bliss. It's the joy of the relationships. It's the beauty you can see in life and in the people in your life. And no amount of bank account can equate to those things. These things that you quit, these things that you stop doing to go on the journey, the journey of self-discovery, the, the spiritual quest, these things, most of the time, you can always pick them up again. You can always start doing them again. You'll be surprised how easy it is to do that. And this intention to end what you're doing is really just a, an internal trick. or not, not trick, but it's an internal... Well, I guess there's no word for it. There's an inner world attitude. Or not attitude. Well, it's sort of like an attitude. It's a like psyching yourself up. You... Like when you psych yourself up, you're you're you just tell yourself like, er, er, yeah, I have to do it, yeah, er, er, I have to get it. Like giving your giving yourself an emotional wake up or giving yourself a motivational speech. That's really what's going on. And and still in the in the background, you can know that you're just it's just you telling yourself these things. So this game of telling yourself about your sincerity it just it's just a way to for you to go to a new place it's a way for you to be propelled to a new place now it might seem all a bit too dramatic it might seem like too much and why is it that you have to quit everything why should you uproot all of your life all at once and it is important for that to be so sincere and so profound. And you reap what you sow when you do that. But there is another way, which is that you can do this, but you only do it on a smaller scale. And this, in essence, is what meditation is, or at least some forms of meditation. It's, it, it's a component of meditation. It's why not sit down and quit everything. Now you can sit on your couch, close your eyes for an hour and say, just for this one hour, in my mind, I'm going to quit everything. 
I'm going to see how it feels and where my mind goes and where my emotions go or where my experience of reality goes. If I say to myself, I'm going to quit everything, what would it feel like to quit everything? And one way of saying this is, you will die to the past. You say that this is gone. And you die, you, you kill your future. This is your way of entering into a deeper presence of now. And if you can build yourself up to the spiritual quest of, you know, at, at one point in my life, I'm going to go traveling and I'm going to quit everything and go traveling. You can build this up. You can work your way up to it by doing one hour every day and then have a weekend. Have a weekend where you say, I'm not going to do any emails. I'm not going to use my phone at all. I'm not going to do any work at all. I'm not going to talk to anyone at all. So this withdrawing from the world, this turning inwards, is a miniature version of the spiritual quest. Now, the spiritual quest, you really, you, you have an external expression of it. It's the external world. When, when you change the external world to fit your inner world, that's the spiritual quest. But you can do that. You can change your inner world without changing your exterior world. And really, if you're doing you're doing this meditation, you will eventually feel it will bring on this urge to have the spiritual quest. So sit down and simply tell yourself, this is the end of everything. I'm not going to do anything else from here on in. And you don't have to. What a relief it is to say, I don't have to do all this. Now, there's a tricky thing, which is that you're tortured by the potentialities that you don't realize. And that's something that is part of the spiritual quest. Contending with that and the reaction of how it feels to quit all these things that you've created and to not fulfill these desires, even if they're really positive they're positive things for the world, and it's your gift to the world. And that's, that's a potentiality that will torture you if you don't do it. And there's no way to untangle that and work through that without, without really testing it. Like, it's one thing for me to say, you need to reach your full potential or you'll feel bad. Well, there's two, there's a black and white response to that, which is, one response is, oh, okay, so I need to fulfill my potential, so I'm going to work and I'm going to do, 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 I'm going to act and I'm going to really go for it. I'm going to desire my potentiality. I'm going to have my dreams. I'm going to make my plans. I'm going to work towards it. I'm going to build. And that will give you the sense of how fulfilling that is. And there's a lot of fulfillment in that. That's one way of going about that insight, of responding to that insight. But the other way is you can say, well, really? Will I actually get tortured by not fulfilling my potentialities? Let me try. Let me sit down and not do them. And really consciously say, I am not doing the things I know I could potentially do. And it might be things that you're really good at. 
You might be uh, like, test this out. What's something that you're really good at? And then don't do it. And don't do it with the specific reason of finding out what your reaction to that is. What your response to that is. And you actually go into the torture of not fulfilling your potentialities. And if you learn about that torture, you learn about what it means to be propelled by your potentiality, then you're learning about what it means to be fulfilling your potentiality and how you go about it. So watch out for that one. Now, I'd like to share something personal, which is from me. Now, now I have been on the spiritual journey. This is where I've been last year. I've actually done this, quit everything in my life. But I also made something, which is, I'll, I'll grab it for you. I've got it here. It's, it's what I call a death box. So when I was quitting quitting everything in my life, it was I was putting together this death box, and it says there's a little note in here. It says this box was founded on the 26th of June 2018 as a reminder of lessons learnt the hard way. So it's almost exactly two years since I made this. Now, this was things that things in my life where I was saying I would quit them forever. And some of those were to make space for the spiritual journey and to say, this is my spiritual opening and this is the things I'm leaving behind at when I go on this spiritual quest. And then some of them were also just bad habits. So they're just things that I wanted to quit in life anyway. And I had already quit them. I had already stopped doing them. But, you know, as the note says, it's just a reminder of when what these objects symbolize to me is something in my life that I wanted to change. So they're objects that are symbolic and they are related to a part of my interior world which I need to change was something that I wanted to be aware of in a different way. So what's in here? Let, I'll show you what's in here. There's a little bag and it's got coffee beans in it. That's full of coffee beans. So I had a real big addiction to coffee. I drank way too much coffee in my earlier years. And, and I still drink coffee, so I haven't quit coffee altogether. But my relationship to coffee has changed. Whereas I used to drink five a day, now I only drink one a day. And there are times when I've had one or two a day, but I'm now more aware because of my energetic awarenesses and the things that I've learnt on my travels, I now have a different relationship to coffee. So things did change for me and coffee. And the next thing I've got is as a cigarette. So I was a heavy smoker for years and on and off as well. And I'd already quit smoking 
for quite some time and I had long periods of no smoking and then periods of a little bit of smoking and on and off for for almost 10 years and I really wanted to quit smoking for good and then say never again am I ever going to have a cigarette so that's why there's a cigarette in here but the I mean I have had cigarettes since then and now I can have one and then not well, now I'm a lot more sensitive, so I wouldn't even have one. And the effect is quite traumatic on me. So now that I've come this far, I wouldn't really have one. But it, even if I have one, that that wouldn't be an issue. Whereas in the past, if I had one, I would want to have five. And if I have five, I'd want to have a whole pack and I'd want to chain smoke. So the urge to smoke has gone. And what smoking used to fulfill in me, the feeling that it would get, I get from just from meditation or from other things. So my relationship with smoking has changed. And then I've also got a, I've got a straw from a fast food restaurant. So that was like my junk food. And then with that, I've got a, a, a soda can, like a junk food can top. So drinking sugary drinks. And then I've also got a beer top. On the beer top, it says the clean, crisp taste. So drinking has never really been a problem. I mean, it was shortly something I went into in my early 20s. I was drinking a lot in my early 20s. But it wasn't an issue for me when I made this box. So I put that in there just because I wanted to be conscious of my... Uh, drinking habits oh there's also a nicotine patch so the nicotine patch was what i used to quit smoking i used that many times i'd i'd put it on what you do is you put it on your arm and you'd feel the feeling of the nicotine going in and i really loved that feeling i would have that nicotine patch with a coffee and that would make me high that would make me feel good and then i've got a in here i've also got a condom so the condom, I don't think that was... I mean, I've had sex since then. And I don't think my intention was to never have sex again. I think it was just... Well, it comes back to this, what we're talking about, which is it's not to quit everything forever. It's to have how I relate to that die. So it's the death box. It's the things of that I want to die in the form that they are. And definitely my sexuality has changed so much. Sex... My experience of sex and, and all that has happened in the last 18 months has, has completely changed. So all the, the other thing that this, the condom was meant to symbolize was jerking off. So no fap. I think at the moment, uh, how long has it been? I've, I still use the no fap website. I have a profile on there and I use that as my counter for how many days I've been without jerking off. I think it's around 140 at the moment i haven't checked it in a while but i didn't know how to symbolize wanking so i used the condom for sexuality in general and that's definitely changed a lot and then i've also got an american one dollar bill so that was how i feel about money so i'd spent so much time chasing money and worrying about investments and business that i wanted to change how i feel about money and then the last thing in here is a cap off a spray can so spray paint and i've got a cap that you put on the spray paint 
to 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 make graffiti. So that was my that was to symbolize my hobby of making graffiti and I was a graffiti artist for some years before I went on the spiritual quest and graffiti was such a big part of my life it was my creative outlet it was my thrill seeking it was my adrenaline it was to do with my identity it took me to new places and I realized I had to stop that completely that was a big one to let go of in order to do the spiritual quest so that that one I knew I sort of knew it would be okay if I started up again and I have since done I mean I've done one piece since I got back and well it's changed yeah I mean I've changed my interests interests have changed but Yes, it it really gets to the point where the death box is symbolic of things dying in the way that they are. So you can die to something. You can have something die in your life, but you still do it. So that that's an old way. So you would say that that's an old way of doing things. Or how I feel about that has died in me. And, well, I guess you can make a death box of your own. What, what objects could you put to symbolize the things in your life that you want to change? The things that you want to quit? The things that you want to feel differently about? Or the things you want to leave alone? And I suggest making a death box right before you go on your spiritual quest. You can put a, you can put a symbol for each thing in there. Like I didn't do things for objects for my relationships. You could have an object for the significant people. Just fit, pick a few people in your life, and just thinking of a an object that's a clear representation of them that will tell you something about your relationship with them. Even that exercise in and of itself will say something. Maybe you need to have a hammer to symbolize someone. <laughs> Maybe you need a pair of scissors, and that's what sums you up, <laughs> depending on who it is. But, yeah, going through these objects, you can see, I mean, it feels really strange for me because I it, it makes it, the contrast obvious to me. It shows the difference to me even though I'm not explaining it to you, and even though I'm not saying how I feel much about how I feel about these things now, you can get a sense of me and how how I was before I left. Like the whole idea of a death box and just the whole thing of quitting everything, like letting go of everything. Well, in some sense, it's quite funny. It's, uh, it shows a lot about how serious I was. And also the sincerity, like seriousness and sincerity, they're, they're different things. So, yeah, and we've petered off now with me showing you the death box, but the, the main point that I want to hit home and what I was talking 
more deeply about before was realizing that at some point you are going to have to sit down and say, what exactly is life? And you're going to have to take your time with it. More than a week. More than 10 days. This is not the same as a meditation retreat. A meditation retreat only counts as a technique. It counts as transformative practice. That's your work. But you can practice, you can build yourself up to the spiritual quest by doing a meditation retreat. Start with one hour and then do a weekend and then do 10 days. And work towards it, plan it. The time that it's right for you to make the quest will become more and more apparent. It will keep knocking at your door. And if you don't listen, well, <laughs> maybe you'll get fired and then that's the right time. How do you know it's the right time to change your life? <laughs> well, you get fired from your job. <laughs> that's a pretty good indication. So it's good that I can laugh about it now. It was a, I still feel pretty bad about it. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about it. I'll share stories in time, but that that's, you know, one of the indicators. And, and, and this thing of saying, is the universe giving me a message? That is a rabbit hole in and of itself. Is the universe talking to you? That's a skill, to listen to the universe talking to you. That's something you have to develop and become sensitive to. So let's just plant a flag there, and maybe that's a conversation for another day. All I really wanted to talk about here was the spiritual quest and how to quit everything. So as we've been doing, we end these episodes with a little bit of meditation. So if you can, if it's comfortable for you to do so, and I know it might seem like a bit of a left turn or a sudden thing to spring on you, but pay attention and just be open to a spontaneous meditation. It's only going to be short. It's going to be only a few minutes. So for these last few minutes, if you can, stop what you're doing, sit down quietly, don't move if you can, stay still and close your eyes and take a moment just to meditate for a few minutes. And maybe we can practice the letting go and the ending of everything in your life. How would it feel to let go of your relationships? Allow yourself to let go of your job. Let go of your ambitions. Let go of your desires. Let go of your thoughts. Let go of your feelings. Just take a few moments to sit quietly. And that's all I have to say for now.